0: All right, California, a little bit, how about Kansas, Utah, all right, anybody from Oregon? How about Washington, Colorado? Well, welcome to Desperation. We're so glad that you're here. I want to tell you a couple stories about my kids as we get started. I love my kids. I have four children, and they're all five and under. And so um, I'm having a a great time. I want to show you a quick picture of my kids, and I want to tell you a couple stories that they've said. Uh, Sometimes four-year-old and five-year-old conversation can be be quite entertaining. Uh, My daughter, Olivia, is four. My son, Dawson, is five. And the other day, Olivia said to Dawson, she said, uh, hey Dawson, let's play Ariel and King Triton. And my son Dawson, who's five and wise and mature and walking in his father's footsteps said, no, we should play something more Christian, like Superman. <laughs> All right, here's another one. All right, so uh, I was talking to Dawson the other day and he and we were talking a little bit about Jesus. And he said, dad, I'd really like to be baptized. And I said, Really? And he said, yeah, I wanna be baptized. And I said, why do you wanna be baptized? And I'm hoping that he's gonna talk about how it's a physical demonstration of a, you know, a spiritual reality or something. And instead he looks at me and he says, because I wanna try out my new goggles. <laughs> so here's my, here's my last story. So we do a thing where we, at my, with my kids where we sit around the table and, uh, and we talk about the Bible. And so we call it tribal Bible. That's what we call it, Perkins tribal Bible. And so we're sitting there talking and I I start to ask them questions and kind of grill them to teach them the Old Testament or New Testament or anything. And so I said, okay, guys, tell me the names of the three boys who refused to bow down to the idol. And Dawson in five-year-old confidence screams out at the top of his lungs, Rack, Shack, and Benny, dad. And I was like, I was like, that's good, Dawson, but can anybody tell me their real names? And in a split second, my four-year-old says, Bob Larian Jr. <laughs> so VeggieTales is discipling a generation, so we're working on it. Let's read out your Bibles, John chapter 6. John chapter 6, Jesus talking here to his disciples the day before he had just fed the 5,000. He has this little conversation with them. He has just told them that he is the bread of life. And I want to kick off here where some of his disciples leave him, walk away. John chapter six, verse 66. So John 6, 6, 6. Nothing weird there, but that's where we're at. From this time, many, say many, Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for sending Jesus to come to earth to live perfectly, die on a cross, raise from the dead, send into heaven, sit forever enthroned. And we're so honored to be disciples in 2010. 2000 years later, knowing Jesus, spreading your name and your fame to everyone we know, to all who will listen, to everyone who will open their ears. God, we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to never walk away. That a decade from now, we would be disciples. That a decade from now, there would be resolute in our spirit. You, we believe and know that Jesus is the Holy One of God. Whether we're 28, 25, 22, whatever season we're at in life, God, would, would that conviction be in us. We love you. Amen. I'll never forget going uh, to a church when I was a teenager. And I went to a big event. It was a cool event. Very cool, very creative, very edgy. At the time, it was super hip and super cool. And what it was was a Halloween um, haunted house at a church. And so it was pretty cool. Uh, some of my friends were part of it and I had a lot of buddies that were Christians and so they were a part of putting on this thing. And Essentially, the goal of the night was that you would walk through a hallway and the classrooms in the church had been turned into rooms of hell. And, uh, and basically, at the end of the night, you're so scared of hell that there's a room where you sign a card to get saved. And it worked, I got saved like again, you know, like scared like crazy. And uh, I remember another time I was at a youth event, teenager, and I got saved again. Uh, The guy got up and he started talking about how we needed to have purpose in our life. And he said, he began to talk about how if we would um, come to Jesus, that Jesus would give us purpose. And that all of us have an emotional desire to fulfill a calling, to possess purpose, and that it's in Jesus that we find it, and that's true. And so, yet again, I signed, signed up, got saved again. A couple of years ago, two summers ago, I was on an airplane, and uh, I I got on the airplane and sat in the exit rope, and uh, right before we took off the. Flight attendant came up to me, looked at me, did a double take, kind of did this. And he said, excuse me, sir, you must be at least 15 years of age in order to sit in the exit row. Are you at least 15 years of age? Looked at him and I smiled. I said, I'm 31. And he said, uh, sorry about that. I actually wasn't quite that nice, but we took off. And uh, he went and gave everybody the drinks. The flight was almost empty. And uh, we got up into the air and then he came up and he, and he sat down next to me. And so we started talking and, uh, you know, you can only sit with someone for so long. I was going, I had just come back from a Christian event and I just preached there. And so we, I began to tell him about, you know, what I did and who I was, and it's not long before we're talking about Jesus. And as we talk about Jesus, he says to me, "He says, 'Oh, I'm not, I'm not into, I'm not into the God thing. I'm not into Jesus.'" I said, "Really?" He said, "No." I said, "And well, why not?" And he said, "I've already tried it." I said, "You've tried it?" He said, "Yeah, I've tried it. I've tried, I've tried that God thing. I've tried, I've tried that." And I said, "Well, what does that mean? What, what do you mean you've tried it?" He said, "It didn't work." I said, "Well, what do you mean that it didn't work?" And he said, "Well." I listened to the preacher and the preacher said, he said, the preacher said that if I came to Jesus, if I prayed the prayer with him, that Jesus wanted to give me a better life. And I wanted a better life. He said, I wanted a better apartment. I wanted a girlfriend. And I wanted a car, a nicer car. And he said, so you're telling me that you don't follow God or Jesus because of that. So no, that's not the reason why I follow Jesus. And I began to tell him the gospel. I began to tell him who Jesus is. I began to tell him about what it means that Jesus came to the earth and that Jesus died and that Jesus is God. And he had this view, this perspective. He thought that he had given himself to the gospel. He thought that he had tried Jesus because someone told him, if you come to Jesus, get the good life. If you come to Jesus, you get the the goods. So come to Jesus for the goods. And I, I don't know why you follow Jesus. I don't know what you think about Jesus. I don't know what's alive in your heart because of Jesus. I don't know if you really like a great worship experience. I don't know if inside of you is There's just a hope that you don't go to hell one day so you marinate on the planet and so you pray to prayer. I don't know, maybe you're just in this thing for a better life. About six weeks ago, I was reading newspapers, front page of the USA Today. And it's all about how young people are leaving the Christian faith. So this is is from the USA Today in April, April 27th, 2010. Starts off, most young adults today don't pray, don't worship, and don't read their Bible. A major survey by a Christian research firm shows. Goes on to give some statistics about that. Begins to talk about how my generation, meaning a decade older than you, started to walk away from Jesus. So mostly the kids that got saved in the 90s. Undoubtedly, many, many of them at the, go to Jesus, come to Jesus so you don't go to hell. Come to Jesus so you can get blessed. Come to Jesus so that you can feel like you have a purpose. Undoubtedly, many of us came to Jesus because of that. Colin Hansen, 29, author of Young, Restless, and Reformed about a thriving minority of traditionalist Christians agrees. Greece. I'm not going to say these numbers aren't true and aren't grim, but they also drive people like me to build new passionate Christian dynamic churches, says Hansen, who is studying for the ministry. He sees many in his generation, so that's me. He sees many in his generation veering to moralist, moralistic therapeutic deism or God wants you to be happy and do good things. Come to God, moralistic, therapeutic deism. Come to God because he wants you to be happy. He wants you to have the good life. Do some good things for him in the process. And then the article goes on to explain how many actually college-age students in their 20s walk away. The 2007 LifeWay study found 7 in 10 Protestants ages 18 to 30. That's where you're going to be in a decade. A decade from now, you're going to be somewhere in that window. Ages 18 to 30, both evangelical and mainline, who went to church regularly in high school. That's where you're at now. Said they quit attending at age 23. 34% of those have not returned even sporadically. So I'm just looking at my generation and maybe, you know, you guys are a little bit behind me and I'm, I'm a little bit heart sick. I'm a little bit broken because this is not just statistics. This is statistics. It is the front page of the USA Today. And I do have those memories of those very real stories in my head. But today, I mean, I've got real friends in this position and there's something that's burning in my heart that's going, God, what needs to change in order that this does not happen Happen a decade from now? What, what, where, where's the shift? What has to happen in your heart? Because if these statistics are true, then one section of you, maybe two, will be Christ followers a decade from now. And and, and I got to be honest with you because when John Egan is up here talking about we're seeing a move of God and John Egan talking about all of us as young people proclaiming the name of Jesus and calling unto God and let us see your glory like Moses cried out. I'm just telling you that I I want the seeds, the, the depth of who Jesus is to go deep in our heart so that what John is saying is really what happens and that we're not a statistic like we read about. So that you don't pick up the USA Today a decade from now and read about your generation what I'm reading about mine. I have good news. I have good news about Jesus tonight, but it's more than what I just read. It's more than these stories. Because the problem, the problem with this idea, the problem with coming to Jesus so that you get a free pass out of hell, to come to Jesus so that you get the blessed life, so you can smile big, so that you can look at people and say, hey, yeah, God has blessed me. The problem with coming so that you can fulfill your purpose is what happens, what happens on the day where disaster strikes? What happens on the day where everything doesn't seem blessed? What happens when you wake up and you're not sure if you're fulfilling a purpose? Because when you look at many of the grades throughout Christian history, most People that follow Jesus unto the very end were staying faithful in very small, minute things. Not grandiose, epic, feel like I'm doing awesome things. Oh, I want to do awesome things. But Paul, when he talks about the Christian life, he talks about it like working like a farmer. Where you stay the course day in and day out. So I'm just nervous. I'm nervous about the day that if you buy into some of those reasons and some of those are the reasons why you came to Jesus, what happens on the day that there's the crisis? What happens to you if there's a day where suddenly the money's not there? You're not you don't you don't grow up to be as cool as you wanted to be. You're not rich and famous. Whatever the, whatever is the dream seems to still be a long ways off. Did what, what, if you believe, if you believe that, that, that the repercussion of coming to Jesus is some of these, the blessings and some of those things, then inevitably you're going to hit a crisis because I'm going to tell you, if you read the whole gospel, everyone who follows Jesus goes through suffering. Everyone who follows Jesus, we fall? We face hard times. when we read here in John 6, it's interesting because if you read the first story in John chapter 6, just the day before, Jesus has literally fed 5,000 people and they got a free lunch. And then in verse 26, he says, you guys are following because your bellies are full. And then in verse 66, many leave him. They came to Jesus for the wrong motive. I'll say a secondary motive. And there's a moment then where Jesus looks at his boys. They've left everything to follow him. He says, Well, what about you? Matthew? Thomas? Philip? John? Andrew? You gonna leave too? Peter looks at him. It's a great moment. Peter says, to whom shall we go? Only you have the words of life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. We believe in our heart and we know that you are You are the Holy One of God. And and Jesus, we didn't leave everything. We didn't leave our fishing boats and we didn't leave our houses and we didn't leave everything just because of finding purpose. We didn't leave everything just to get fire insurance out of hell. We didn't leave all and come and spend time with you and listen to your teaching and learn from you and walk with you and hear you just because we wanted to feel blessed, to actually... All of them go on to a martyr's death. No. Let me tell you why we follow you, Jesus. We believe and know you are the Holy One of God. It is not about what we get. It's about who you are. The core of why we follow you, Jesus, it's because of who you are. It's what Jesus responds to Peter in Matthew 16 in, near Caesarea Philippi. And where Peter goes, we believe that you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. It's about who. It's about who you are. I, I, don't, I don't worship. I don't, I, don't, but so because I don't come down here and scream at the top of my lungs, mercy is falling, it's falling, it's falling because of a feeling that I get. I don't come to Colorado and worship and go for it and say I'm going to give my life to Jesus just because I'm trying to appease God to hope that one day I don't spend eternity in hell. There is something alive inside of me as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I know for sure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. And when we start to read all the way through the scriptures and look at all of it, we find in Philippians 2 that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. We find in Revelation 5 that they come before God that they go, To Him who sits on the throne and under the Lamb be blessing and glory and honor and power forever and ever. We find in Revelation 7 that ultimately the ultimate end of all creation is... Is that there's a great multitude before the throne of which no one can count crying blessing and honor and he's holy and he's worthy before the lamb and unto the lamb declaring he is God. And I know what many of you are saying You're like David, but, but that offends me because I did get out of hell. Yes, you did. But David, that offends me a little bit because I do get a blessing. Yes, you do. But David, that fits me a little bit because because in Jesus, I do find my purpose. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And I do. And I love it. I love the fact that I get to spend an eternity with Jesus and not go to hell. I love that. And because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, I am purchased. And I love that. And I am so thankful. I am so thankful that God gave me a purpose. Otherwise, I'd probably be like a five foot five comic, you know, trying to make a living somewhere. I'm glad to have a bigger purpose than just trying to survive. I'm thankful for the blessings. I'm so thankful that God has blessed my life. I'm thankful for my wife and my children. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the blessings. I'm thankful for my old truck with 200,000 miles. I'm thankful for all of it. I love the blessings. I love it. But my passion for you at age 15 at age 17 It's for you to lock in with the idea That if you want to make it For 20 years For 30 years For 50 years The secret To following Jesus All the days of your life Is that you come To a, an obsession uh, Of being moved with the excellency, the splendor, the majesty, the glory, the excellent worth of a man died on a cross, rose from the dead, sits enthroned forever, will return for you. That you lock in with the excellent worth of Jesus, who he is. If you lock in with who he is, with who Jesus is. My favorite story is the story of the Moravians. Many of the things that we do around here have been influenced by the Moravian prayer movement. It took place in the 1700s. story of a German nobleman named Count Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf, which is what I tried to name my fourth child. My wife said no. I was like, can we just keep Ludwig? No. Count Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf was a German nobleman. He left much of his wealth in order to buy an estate, in order to rescue and take care of refugees who were under persecution. They were Christians. He provided a place for them in his little little village. We just sent, actually, the furnace. The furnace went this year to to Hernhut to see this famous historic place where this move of God broke out. They began to pray 24 hours a day round the clock for a move of God and mostly they pray, We're praying for protection but you know you can only pray for yourself for so long and then it expands to what's in the heart of God as he downloads his heart as you pray and so before too long they started to pray for the unreached places of the world and that's common language to us now but back then that was kind of new and exciting and they began to then send out missionaries all over the world and they sent them out two by two all over the world they sent some to Greenland and they sent them out all over and And uh, there's a a famous story about a guy named Leonard Dober and his friend, David Nitchman. 19-year-olds, Leonard Dober came to the middle of the community and began to tell about an opportunity to go to the West Indies literally to reach people for the cause of Christ, but on the island, the island, they weren't, the, the the landowners had gotten together and decided that they didn't ever want any Christians coming onto the island. And so there was a rule that you couldn't, they wouldn't allow Christians onto the island, but, but, Zinzendorf found out about an opportunity that if you were willing, you could actually sell your life into slavery. And by becoming one of the slaves, they would accept you onto the island and you would be able to live on the island. And those people there had never heard the good news of Jesus. And so he came and he said, so I realize it's a large request, but are there any of you that would be willing to sell your life into slavery. We'll never see you again, but you go. And actually the amount of money that you get by selling your life is only enough for a one way boat ticket to get there. Leonard Dober and David Nitschman, 19 year olds said, we'll go. We will go. And they spent a few months preparing and training and getting ready to go. And just as they were about to leave and they were about to pull out of the harbor, there's a famous historic moment that became the anthem of the Moravian movement because many had asked them not to go. They said, you're so young, 19 years old. You have so much promise. Why why do this? Until many had said, don't go. Leonard Dober and David Nitchman As the ship began to pull out, Dober screamed at the top of his lungs. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. He screamed about the worthy lamb named Jesus. May the lamb, Jesus, may the worthy lamb, may the lamb who was slain, who died on a cross, that those people out there might know... May the lamb who was slain receive the reward, the reward meaning a great multitude of which no one could count from every tongue, tribe, and nation. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering, the agony on the cross, the pain. May Jesus receive a great reward. And right there we find the core value in his heart. As many had said, don't go. Don't sell your life. No, don't you know? Don't you know you can have the good life here in Germany? Come, hang out, live a good life. You came to Jesus, and certainly, certainly he wants to bless you, and certainly there wants to be some good things for you here, and you've got a family, and come on, man. And, and what you find in the core of, Dora, of Dober's phrase that became the anthem of one of the greatest missions, movements in history, What he said, no, I didn't come to Jesus as a means to my happiness in life. No. Jesus is the means. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And Jesus is the end. There will be a great multitude of which no one can count from every tongue, tribe, and nation. I don't come to Jesus so that I can get the good life. I recognized who he is and his splendor and that he literally prepared the way for me to know him and walk with him forever and ever for him to redeem the planet. He is worthy, holy, and true, and good, and faithful, and I didn't come to Jesus just so that I could get, you know, a little better status in life or have a nicer house. I didn't come to Jesus so that I could get the, but no, Jesus, he is the means, he is the end. Jesus is the worthy lamb, and may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering, as The ultimate cry that says, I came to Jesus, not for what I get, but because of who he is. Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. We know and believe that you are the Holy One of God. (laughs) Today, I got an email. Today. Today. Friend in high school. Friend in high school. David. I know we haven't talked in a long time 15 years. But I'm wrestling. I'm wrestling because my life is not what I thought it would be. And I know in high school you were so into your faith that I have a few questions. A decade from now, a decade from now, don't think just about your own heart, but I want you to think about all of the people that you know, the friends that you have, that are gonna be searching, that are gonna be in a place where they're broken, where they're gonna have faced a faith crisis because things didn't turn out the way that they thought. And in that moment, in that moment, will you, you, will you know God? Will you have known Jesus? Will you have come to recognize who he is, that you can be a voice in that moment and declare to, the, to, declare to them just who Jesus is, and that he's worthy, that he's awesome. Because when I begin to think about God, what do you want to do this weekend? And we've spent from the furnace prayer room to the furnace prayer meetings, to crying out, just to crying out and praying for you guys. When I think about this weekend and I'm saying, God, what do you want to do hundreds, hundreds of teenagers that are gonna be here on this weekend. What do you wanna do in their lives? What do you, what do you want them to be? What, what, God, what is it? You wanna know what I see? I see a decade from now. I see a decade from now, young men and women, that it doesn't matter where you end up. It doesn't matter if you end up in a great career, with the big, nice house, the cool hip SUV and whatever technology is by then, where you can like see your friends right here all the time and talk without even talking. Whatever 10 years looks like from now, here's what I see. Whether you're poor or rich Influential, non-influential, feel successful, feel unsuccessful, educated, uneducated, wherever you end up, if uh, 10 years from now, if you know Jesus and you have spent a decade going deep, And saying, I want to behold the beauty of God. I want to know Jesus. I want to be friends with Jesus. I want to know what it means that he died for me. I, I want to know, and you have a conviction that he is king and he is Lord and he is God. If those things live inside of you, if that is true of you, then a decade from now, I see preachers, web designers, singers, moms, dads, that cannot be shaken. That cannot be moved. And when the doctor looks at you and says, I have bad news. And I know that my redeemer lives. And I know that he is good. And I know that he is faithful. And when the friend says to you, "I,", I, I the, the negative comments, you can't be moved. And when circumstance looks bad and the money's not there, you're unshaken. Why? Because you didn't sign up. this for the good life if that comes great you didn't sign up for this just to feel an emotional sense of purpose you didn't sign up for this just to get out just to get out of eternal flames oh how delightful that those things are true how awesome How awesome that we spend an eternity with Jesus and not help. How awesome that God's going to bless our lives. How awesome that many of us are going to have purpose. But when the moment comes, when the crisis comes. And like my friend who has, is in a crisis right now. You have your feet on a rock. His name is Jesus. And you didn't build on sand. You didn't build on secondary thought process. You built on a person. You built on Jesus, the rock, the king, the Lord, the God of all gods, the one who is excellent, the one who is awesome, the one who is worthy. Worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Your life is built on a man. His name is Jesus. He's true. And no matter what happens, you can trust in him. No matter what, you know him. No matter what, you're fascinated with him. No matter what, doesn't matter the songs. Doesn't matter the money. Doesn't matter the house size. Doesn't matter the ministry size. Doesn't matter all the rocky things that you face over the next decade. You know Jesus. Will you stand with me? Tonight. Tonight, if tonight you want to give your life to Jesus, some of you for the first time, some of you gave your life to Jesus mostly out of what you could get rather than because of who he is. Some of you may have been scared into following Jesus. Some of you may have done it for blessing. Some of you may have done it for an emotional, better life. That's not why the disciples followed him it's not what we read about we read about people who recognize that he is the Christ the holy one of god you are the Christ the son of the living god jesus looks back at peter well done and on this rock i'll build my church the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it tonight jesus is building his church you're the future church you're the church of 2020 you, we are not going to be the church that a decade from now is no longer in church, is no longer following Jesus. We are not going to be the ones that give up because life got hard. Life's going to get hard. We are not going to be the ones that the crisis causes us to quit. We are not going to be the ones that come to a false gospel and believe a half truth. We're going to be the ones that surrender our lives to the worthy Lamb. We're gonna be the ones that bow our knee before Jesus Christ, the God of all gods and say, whatever happens. If you take me to a mud hut in Mexico, so be it. If you take me to the White House, so be it. If you give me a great car, so be it. If you give me a moped that's broken, so be it. If you give me a big house, so be it. If I live in a van down by the river, so be it. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. I'm not signing up for the good life. I'm signing up because holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And I'm signing up because you're going to get to heaven one day and you're just going to see the beautiful God, the one who sits enthroned, the one who redeemed mankind, the one who the Bible says sits on a very real throne. He's got eyes like fire, sword coming out of his mouth, and you're going to go. And you'll just stay locked in for about a trillion years right there. Your friends will be like, dude, come here. You gotta check out my golden mansion. You'll be like, hold on, I'll be with you in a Google years. Just wait a minute. Just so wait just a second. Have you seen him? Oh. Hold on. Just give me another million years. Just 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 one more million. Oh my God. He is holy. He is true. Tonight. whether it's the first time or maybe it's the real time. Not because of blessing. Not all this, I love the secondary blessings, but because of the person. Tonight, you want to bend your knee and be a disciple. I leave everything. I want to follow Jesus. I want to give you all. I want to give you everything. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I surrender. It means you have everything. It means I'm yours. Tonight, if you say, count me in, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want, I want to know him. I want to surrender my life. It's no longer I that live. I want to repent of my wicked ways. I want to follow Jesus. If that's you tonight, I want to invite you, run up here and join me on your knees. Alright friends. We just repeat out loud to God after me. some blessings but I give my life to you I don't know what the future holds but I'm yours take my life let me live forever with you transform me to be like you help me to live like you I love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to love people too. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I love you, God. I give you my life. Thank you for giving me yours. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Let's give these guys a hand. Stay right here. Stay right here. Stay right here, guys. Just stay up here. I'd like to invite youth pastors, Furnace, DLA, uh, maybe some parents that might be in the room. If you want to come up here, if you see a a, a young man or a young woman, future leader, a disciple of Jesus Christ up here, will you come up here? Will you just stand with them real quick and just put your hands on them and let's pray for them. Yeah, come on up. What a good day. All right. Christ followers. Listen. As you follow Jesus, you're going to have some great days, but you're going to have some hard days you're going to have some days where it feels like Jesus is doing exciting things and miracles are happening. You're going to have other days where it seems hard. You don't know why things are turning out the way they are. But through good days and bad, today we're establishing. You're establishing before God. You're following him because of who he is. Circumstance will not change your course. Good. Go ahead, parents, just pray for them. Leaders, furnace, DLA, just pray for them. I'm just going to give you a minute. I know normally it's the preacher that prays, but I'd like to ask everybody here we just stretch out your hands and you out loud to God. Will you pray for those who gave their life to Jesus tonight? Just like, let it be like a roar, like an audible roar in the auditorium. Just begin to pray for them. Every prayer matters. When we pray, God hears our prayers. Your prayers make a difference. I want to do a second prayer tonight. I want to pray for those of you that are out there. You've already said yes to Jesus. You're a Christ follower. You love him. But tonight, you want to ask God for supernatural grace to know Jesus better. I'm not talking about, yes, you're saved. You already said yes to the finished work of the cross. You, you read your Bible, you pray. But I'm talking about a ferocious season. A ferocious season. I'd never heard that language. I remember I, I was 18 years old and I heard a guy talk about go into a season, a season where you are just going to devour the word and get to know Jesus. Just you and him. And you're going to actually forego some sports. You're going to go forego some meals. You're going to go without some hobbies in order to get to know God, in order to establish who you are, know Jesus better. Tonight, if you want Jesus to reveal himself to you, obviously, whenever Jesus reveals himself to people, they change. When Jesus shows up to Paul in Acts 9, <laughs> changes life pretty good. You want Jesus to reveal Himself to you, and you're desperate for Jesus to reveal Himself to you. You want a revelation of who He is, what Paul prays Ephesians 1 for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know Him better. And you want a revelation of who Jesus is. You want to go into a season of getting to know Jesus in a traumatic way. If that's you, will you come and just join these guys? Just come on up here, and I want to pray for you. Come quickly. Come, come, come. come. Good. <laughs> This is Christmas right here. Come on. Yeah. God. God, do it. All right. I love it. You can't see my heart, but my heart's doing backflips right now. Spirit will you reveal Jesus to us we want encounters like we've not known we want revelation in the Bible on who Jesus is beyond what we've tasted we want to be men and women of prayer and fasting cry out as you revealed yourself to Paul Jesus reveal yourself to us as you spoke to your disciples and you told them the deep things of the kingdom and you told them parables and you told them stories and you told them about what was to come. Holy Spirit, teach us. Let it go deep into our hearts, the knowledge of God, who Jesus is, the splendor, the majesty of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. for every man and woman that just stepped forward and I pray Lord Jesus that you would reveal yourself to them I pray that they would go into a season as a high school or college student where they get to know God reveal yourself to them we want awe and wonder and marvel to overflow out of our hearts be fascinated with your word we want to take highlighters and pins and mark it up because we just can't get enough of it skipping television less hours on Facebook and YouTube because we're addicted to God. Rock. You're a Redeemer. You are worthy. You are faithful. You are true. You are King. You are magnificent. You are God. Tonight, we're not impressed with ourselves. We're not impressed with Colorado. We're not impressed with our buses we're not impressed with our friends we're not impressed with a building we're not impressed by a cool band we're not impressed by lights we're not impressed by a lot of people in one room we are impressed and filled with wonder and awe at the greatness and the worthiness worthiness and excellence and splendor